You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Man, two years, two years. I, I just, uh, you know, when my kids were two years old, they were like trying to, you know, do all kinds of stuff, tear the house down. And so that's kind of what we're doing right now, I guess. Um, two years. It's been really awesome to watch this last two years. It was September of 2012 when my family moved to Wilmington uh, to live here permanently for the first time. And, and we knew just a little handful of people. And, and we had this, this vision, this kind of mission to come here to help establish a new church. Uh, but when you look around the city of Wilmington, there's a church on every corner. And so the question is really, does Wilmington really need another church? <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't. And, and as I looked at it, I increasingly became aware that the answer is, well, no, the, the, the city doesn't need another church. It doesn't. But the city definitely needs the church. See, the church is just one around the world, all over the world today. There are people united around one central idea of the stuff that Aaron was just talking about, that there is a God who loves us and that he showed that by sending his son, which is actually he came in flesh form as Jesus. And that's the celebration of that. That's what the church is. You know, the coolest thing uh, about the last two years since we launched at the YMCA was to get to see what happens when people unite around a common idea. Have you seen this? I mean, people unite around a common idea. We get amped up. We are on fire uh, because, by and large, people love to be with other people. We do. We like being with other people, especially when we can draw on a common cause. Um, it, it reminds me of this video. It was a, uh, a commercial that was uh, on TV a couple years back, I guess. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings did it. Actually, let's just check it out real quick. This, is, this just kind of shows you what it means when we love to be together. Yes, 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 we did it, yes, we did it, we did it, see you bud, later, honey, who was that, who, that guy, I don't know, get caught up in the excitement, hey, who's this, we love to be together. We, we just like, ah, ah. I had a similar experience a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, some of you, actually, some friends from church gave us, my wife and I, tickets to go to a Dallas Cowboys game. Now, we're a huge, diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world this morning. Uh, not only is she the most beautiful woman in the world, but she's more beautiful because she's wearing a Tony Romo jersey to church. Like, how cool is that? If you don't know what that is, he's a football player. Um, but pretty important if you're a Cowboys fan. And so like, we get tickets not only to go to a football game, but it's a football game between the Cowboys and the Redskins in December. I mean, this is like major, major rivalry game. And so we walk into the stadium, and it's, it's cool. We walk in, and it's like to see this ocean of, of red and yellow. And I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> but then we, have, we find our seats, and we're surrounded by Cowboys fans. And the game, oh, i got to tell you, the game was awesome. The game was, was such a good game. And we were up and down. Oh, it was emotional. We were, the score was we were winning. Then we were we're losing, then we're winning, we're losing, back and forth, back and forth. And like all around us, we're celebrating every first down. High fives, complete stranger. High five, why? Because we're both wearing blue jerseys. Yeah, the dude in front of me, no joke, just turns around and begins hugging me. Like, dude, complete stranger. Like, ah, oh, I'm like, Walmart? Don't do that, you know? <laughs> Football game? Totally cool. You just spilled beer all over my feet. But I love you. Like, it's exactly what happened. And so we're high five. We love it. Why? Because when we can unite around a common idea, we really do better together, don't we? I think we're designed that way. And it's not just about trivial things like sports and, and uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. What? Who's that guy? I don't know. Like, this is great. 
it's not just about the trivial stuff. It's, it's more about the important stuff. I mean, just look around the world and see what happens when good people unite around a good idea, a big idea. Because when we reunite around a good and big idea, big things happen. I could think of a list of a thousand things, but, you know, one example, uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Everything's pink. And it's just, wow, just to think of, of the, the amount of good that comes from that and the awareness and the funds raised and the research that can be done simply because we all had an idea of saying, let's do this together. Good things happen when good people unite around a good idea, a big idea. The same thing's true with bad things, right? I mean, like, evil people can unite around an evil idea, and evil things can happen. And we see that in the news. We see it, uh, we see it in presidential campaigns. We see it all over the place, right? We see bad th- people uniting maybe around a bad idea, and bad things happen. And they result in, in bad and unnecessary wars, and sometimes in riots, and, 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 and in violence, and things like that. You know, we are a social people. We are. Probably the biggest advancement, or at least kind of... Uh, I don't know, it's a new thing that's hit the world in the last couple decades has been the internet. I mean, just think about, it's probably the biggest thing ever created, literally. It spans the entire globe. And one of the coolest things about the internet is our ability to socialize online. Of course, there's social networking. I mean, you've got the giants, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then you've got all those other people that are like, I don't even know why you even joined that account, but that's cool. And that's going on. And I've got friends who, I mean, some of you in this room right now, you met your spouse Online, right? Isn't that cool? Like, those, these are innovations that we've never had before. And it makes us excited. And we gear up and we scroll Facebook for hours at a time. Why? Because we love being social. We love relationships. We love community. We love togetherness. And the reality is I believe that the relationships that we have play a large role in shaping who we become. Is that true? You meet a person who's kind of gone off the beaten path, and one of the first things they'll often say is, yeah, then I got in with a bad crowd, right? The people that we spend our time with do a lot to shape our life. And as a direct result, it does a lot to shape the world we live in. It's community. It's togetherness. It's social. Here's the thing I believe. I believe that God has a lot to say about our relationships. I do. I think he's got so much that he wants to say about the people that we spend our time with and how we invest that time. And that's why we're going to spend the next four weeks unpacking what I believe is a very important concept. We're calling this series Rethink Social. Rethink Social. Because here's the truth. I believe that if we can begin to live our relationships the way that God would desire them to be lived, that those relationships in our lives can be utterly transformed. We're going to be taking a look over the next four weeks to uh, some really uh, specific relationships. We're going to talk about, uh, next week we're talking about marriage. Uh, and so if you're a married person in the house today, I encourage you, come back. And if, if you can, bring your spouse. And if they just won't join you, come by yourself and say, i got to go somewhere take some notes. Um, just see what does God have to say about the relationship of marriage. The fall, and just so you know, if you're not married, next week there's going to be plenty of stuff in there for people who are either pre-married or deciding not to get married or whatever, like single um, that is for you too. Um, the principles overlay that relationship of how we interact in that setting. Uh, next week after that, we'll be talking about the relationships we have at work. And think about how much time you spend at work. Like, what, what do you do more than anything else? Maybe work. And so we're going to look at what the, what the Bible and what God has to say about work. And, and then the final week, I think maybe one of the most relevant topics for this particular group of people is a relationship and the group of relationships we have through the church. 
uh, you know, the church is not a building. As we know, we don't have one. <laughs> a church is people. It's socialization. It's togetherness. And I think that God has a lot to say about how we can use that to transform our lives and to transform the world that we live in. Uh, here at Venture Church, we always say, I love to go to the Bible to look for the answers to some of life's most important questions. And uh, so we're going to be looking at the Bible a lot over this series. And there are a lot of you today who might be here for the first time. Uh, I want to say this. I want to take a step aside. I don't know where you are on all this God stuff. Aaron just said some pretty, he was a guy that was playing guitar. He, he just said some stuff that was pretty maybe deep or maybe kind of like, I don't know that I believe in some of the stuff you talked about. We want to be a church that's in this city that can be a place that's a safe haven for you to come and explore and grow. And so if you're in that boat where you're like, I don't know how I feel about God. I don't know how I feel about Jesus. I don't know about all this. I want you to know that this is a safe place to build some safe relationships. And actually, we've got a very important thing. There was a, a card in your seat when you came in, and on it, it said Venture Basics. Uh, Aaron mentioned it as well. We've got a four-week class called Venture Basics, and it's not how can you be the best member at our church. We don't have membership here, by the way. Um, this is not what that's about. Actually, Venture Basics is a class on the basics about learning who God is, who is Jesus, where does the Bible come from, and is it reliable? And how can we know that? And what does it mean to be a Christian? And what does that mean to my life? I want to just invite you. This is a side note. We'll get back to relationships. I want to invite you, if you would, if you've never taken Venture Basics, take a look at the, the long, skinny connection card that was in your seat, the kind of greenish one. And if you think that's something you'd like to know more about, we're starting it on October 11th, just a few weeks away. Uh, and on the back of that connection card, make sure you put your name on the front side so we can get up with you. On the back, just check the box that says something about Venture Basics because we'd love to shoot you an email and let you know when the class is happening and you could get involved. In fact, by checking that box, you could actually sign up. Sign me up. Please do that before you leave today. It's a great class. Uh, it's only four weeks, and it's something that could really help you with some of the questions that you might have, uh, and you can bring them. All right, I stepped over here. Can we come back? Relationships. We're talking about some specific relationships over the next few weeks, but this week what I want to do is take a look at what I believe are three solid principles that can be kind of uh, building blocks for understanding relationships transformed by God. Okay, what does God intend relationships to be for and how can they uh, be transformed by God? And so there's going to be these, these three principles. And so if you're a note taker, this is where they go. Uh, the first one we'll get into, and we're going to be looking in the Bible, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the very first thing it talks about is creation and talks about where the world came from. And we see in Genesis chapter 2, uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. It'll also be on the screen behind me. And I also want to let you know that we have uh, free Bibles to give away if you want to take one before you leave today. Some of them are under your seats. Some of them are by the coffee area. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, there's this first mention of a relationship. And it says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the context of this verse is God creating mankind. And he's got Adam and he's got Eve. Adam is the man. He's been created. And there's about to be the story of how Eve comes into the world. And I don't want to take this out of its context. I mean, that's what it's about. It's about creation. It's about man and woman. But I think the first half of that verse is something that we see clearly all over the world. And it's this phrase. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. And all the ladies said, I know that's right. <laughs> no, not man, like people. It's not good for people to be alone. It's something that we see everywhere. There are so many studies uh, that have been done on the importance of social interaction. And you can look at studies of what happens when children are isolated, maybe in an orphanage or in a situation where they don't have a lot of love and nurture or maybe physical touch. Right, you've seen those studies. If you haven't, Google them. They're all over the place. And the idea is that there are a lot of developmental issues that can arise because of the lack of socialization. It's important. It's not good for man to be alone. We see it all over the place in society. We see uh, 
We see what happens when people are isolated, maybe in prison, uh, or if someone spends too much time all by themselves, their mind starts to go a little bit nutty, right? And, and often you see people who are criminals, and one of the first things that said about them was, oh, they were kind of a loner. Why? I think that socialization is a really important thing. God looks and says, it's not good for a man to be alone. We need each other. And it can be even seen, I love the movie Castaway, uh, Tom Hanks, you remember that movie? There's like a plane crash or something, this guy ends up on, a, on, a, on, a, on an island all by himself. He starts to lose his mind, he's going bonkers, what does he do? He makes friends with the volleyball. <laughs> That's what we do. It's not good for a man to be alone. I want to look at another passage from Scripture that kind of talks about that a little bit more in depth. There's a guy named King Solomon. Solomon was uh, this great and wise king who lived uh, a long time ago, and he's a king over Israel, and he had great wealth and great resources and great thinking, and his goal really was to discover the meaning of life. That's what he's doing. And in the process, God actually blesses him and says, I also make you the wisest man alive. And so this amazing thing happens with Solomon. He's this wise guy. He's looking for the meaning of life. And one of the things he says as he writes down some of his thoughts in his research, in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament of the Bible, chapter 4, verse 9, this is what he says, I think, about relationships. That's the context. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if we lie down together, we'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see that imagery there, like two is better than one. We need each other. It is not good for man to be alone. I said there would be three principles that we're going to unpack today. And here's the first one, very simple. We need each other. We need each other, and sometimes we feel like, I don't. I don't need help. I don't need you. I don't need them. But when we look at what God says about relationships, he says, no, you do. You do. You need each other. My kids uh, are a testing ground for so many uh, philosophical concepts. I love to just watch my kids. They have no idea. They're the guinea pig and dad's experiments. Like, huh, what's going to happen? And I see this thing, we need each other, so true uh, in my kids. You know, we'll, we'll go to a park maybe. And, and we get to the park and we've packed like, we've packed food. We've got footballs. We've got a soccer ball. We brought bicycles. There's a mile and a half of field over there, okay? Now, before we left the house, I spent 45 minutes playing with them in the yard. So I'm thinking we're going to put them in the park and we're going to let them loose like Labrador retrievers and just let them run, and what's going to happen? Me and mom are going to have a nice little sweet date. If you're a parent of young kids, you know that's not true. <laughs> they run off like they're fetching a stick, and then they're like, Dad, aren't you going to come play with us? <laughs> I'm like, what? No, go play. Go, go play. But here's the thing. A, yes, I'm a really cool dad. Yes, that's a given, and I push a mad swing, all right? But I think the reality is that what we see in, in, in our children when they want to be with us is that that thing that God instilled in us to say we need each other. They, you, you look back at, at your parents and you say, I, I want to be with you. You look at your friend. You look at the other people in the world. I know there's been people in your life that you met them. You're like, I think I could get along with that person. I'd like to be their friend. Do you have a best friend? It started that way. Actually, a lot of best friend relationships started, I hate that guy. <laughs> but then you learn that we need each other. And uh, that really brings me to a real struggle that I think that a lot of people have, and I've dealt with it myself. I think, I've heard it says a guy named Shane Claiborne, he's an author and he's written a lot of really interesting books. He says that, um, you know, a lot of cultures have had just epidemic, epidemics or big, you know, things that have killed their culture. And he said that he believes that one of the epidemics of American culture is loneliness. Loneliness. Have you ever battled with that? We can be in a world 
full of people, a room like this, full of people yet feel completely alone. We live in a world that is increasingly becoming easier and easier to be isolated. You can have your headphones in and looking at your tiny screen on your phone all day long and you, and you eat your food that you got in the drive-thru that you ordered from a window, someone that you didn't even have to interact with, and then you go and you sit on your computer and you, watch, you binge watch Netflix for three hours and, and, you, and you're on Facebook and you're scrolling and you realize it's been several days since I've had a meaningful conversation. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Some of them may be. But the reality is, without even realizing it, we're isolating ourselves. But we need each other. It helps us to have proper development in our life. It helps us to have proper perspective on the world that we live in. It's not good for man to be alone. We need each other. This same guy, Solomon, kind of clarifies this point a little bit more. He wrote another book in the Old Testament of the Bible called Proverbs. We just did a big, long series on it called Hashtag Wisdom. Check it out on our podcast. Solomon's a wise guy. Listen to what this guy says. But he says this more about relationships in Proverbs chapter 27, and it goes along with the thing of us needing each other. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens other, iron, so one person sharpens another. We need each other because In the words of Jack Johnson, we're better together. (laughs) We're better together. And and there are people in our lives that don't sharpen us. There are people who dull us. But the reality is there are so many people in our life that could sharpen us and make us better. I love another passage that's in the New Testament of the Bible. Near the very end in the book of Hebrews, it says this. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We're better together. Let's encourage one another. Let's grow. That's actually what church is about in some ways. Yes, we come here to worship God. Yes, here we, we come here to, to learn to love him and to learn about him. Yes, we can mobilize and shine light into the community, but we're nothing if we're not a family, a body of people spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. We need each other. We need each other. But relationships shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, if we just left it here today and said we need each other, we could go, okay, cool. Well, I'm good because there's people in my life. It's not just people. Actually, what we need is good people, which brings me to the second principle about relationships. The first one, we need each other. The second one is this. We need to filter. (laughs) We need to filter. In my house, I've got these really awesome things, uh, doors and windows. You might have them too. They're quite useful. Uh, But in our doors and windows, we also have something else. We have screens. Because there are some things we want in our house And there are some things that we want to stay outside. It's a filter. And on a week like this where it's been great to leave the windows open and have the door open, it's been great because you can open the windows and have a cool breeze coming into our living room. And I'm trying to read a book, uh, trying because my kids want to play with me. So instead, we're playing with Legos. Um, But you're playing and it's wonderful. Why? Because we want the good stuff in. We want the breeze. But what we don't want is flies and mosquitoes because flies are the worst thing in the whole world. And mosquitoes are God's plague on humanity. My, you should see us uh, late at night. We, we, we don't like flies in our house. Uh, and so like late at night, our kids will be asleep, and my wife and I will be watching TV or reading a book or something, and then we'll hear that kamikaze fly, you know, the one that's like, I want to die, you know, and he's like flying by your ears. And we turn into what I, what I can only describe as uh, fly-murdering ninja mode. Like it's a, it's a switch that we have. It happened last night. I was going to tell this story, and then last night, Lindsay had fallen asleep. Uh, you, could, you should have seen me. I was just like, you're trying to corner, you corner him in the bathroom, you shut the door. You've been there, right? You're... You're going to murder this guy. Why? I don't even know. Like, you, your, your wings make a funny noise. It drives me crazy. There are things in our life that maybe we should be nicer to flies. I don't know. Maybe we should. 
But there are things in our life that just need to be filtered out. And it couldn't be more true than when it comes to this idea of rethinking social. We've got to filter the people we spend our time with and the amount of influence that we allow them to have. So the question that I think I would ask there when we look at this idea of filter is not uh, are, are they a good person? What, what is their degree in college? Or what was their GPA? Or what position do they hold? Are they fancy? Do they wear the right shoes? Like you could filter it all kinds of different ways, right? What neighborhood did they live in? How much money did they make last year? What football team did they pull for? Those are all really interesting ways to filter our friends. But there, there's a guy, I'm going to get this sheet of paper over here. There's a guy in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, his name is Andy Stanley. He's a very good preacher and uh, fairly famous. His church is, is, uh, is very well known. He's got this concept about um, relationships. And he says that we can take all of our relationships and we can filter them essentially, all of our close relationships, and filter them essentially into three categories. And he describes them like a concentric circle, uh, like a bullseye. And so you've got three layers of, of your relationships here. And on the very outside layer, as we're talking about filtering, he's got this one layer that he calls our circle of concern. This is concern. Now, did I spell that right? All right. If I didn't, it ain't my responsibility. Um, that's America for you, isn't it? Uh, I'll do better next time. I'll spell it right. Our circle of concern. These are the people that are a little bit farther from our core circle. These are the people that you care about. These are the people that, like, if something happened in their life, you would want to know. If, if there was a neighbor down the street that you, you know, I, I wave at her, and Miss Millie, she's a real nice lady. Oh, man, she fell down. She had to go to the emergency room. I, I, I care. It's your birthday? Sweet. I care. These are some of our coworkers. These are, these are friends that we know from college and high school. These are people in the community that we know their name. This is our circle of concern. Outside here are people, really, that we don't know. If there's people in your life that you just aren't concerned about, you should probably get that checked. Um, but these are the people that you just don't know. But the people in your circle of concern are the people who are kind of out there. You care about them, but there's this distinct difference between these people and the people in the next layer. The next layer is called your circle of influence. See, there are some people in our life that we need to allow to influence us. These are the people that we listen to. These are the people that we ask questions to. I've got some friends in my life that I will watch a football game with them. I will go hang out with them. I will help them with yard work, but I'm not going to model my marriage after yours. I'm sorry. It's just, you don't get to influence me in that way. Uh, I'm friends. I'm very concerned about you, but I'm not going to let you into this area because I've got to filter what happens in my life. It's why the stories about people whose life go off track often begin with and then I begin to hang out with a rough crowd, or I got involved with the wrong people. Because sometimes we allow people into this circle of influence who really, we don't need to let them influence us. We don't let them lead us, is another word. The most central circle, I'll just kind of draw an arrow to it. This is a circle of intimacy. Intimacy? I? It's on the wall. I-M-A-C-Y. You try spelling in front of people. Intimacy. Now, uh, when you think about intimacy, you might think about something romantic or something physical, and there's certainly room for that in the definition of the word intimacy. But a really good definition of the word intimacy uh, that I found is, is to be fully known by someone and to fully know, know them in return. And so these are not just maybe a spouse or a significant other in that way. This is the people that they know everything about you, and you know everything about them. And there's give and return on that. These are the relationships that take five to ten years to really build. You know, those of you who have been married at the five-year mark or the 10-year mark or the 15-year mark, have you noticed that over the last five, 10, or 15 years, you are beginning to know your spouse more and more and more? Why? 
because of the ability to be able to know the person more fully. It's a circle of intimacy. We often uh, would call these people our best friends. Now, here's one little, one little mix-up that I see sometimes. Is there are people that we call our best friends who influence us to do the worst things. The disconnect there is maybe they're in the wrong circle. And there's a lot of work that we've got to do there to figure out how do we, because these are relationships we already have. It'd be different if it was the first day of school and mom was like, go make good choices, and you go out and you make all new friends. But you already have your friends. What do we do with that? I think what happens is something shifts in our head and we begin to filter. And we say, you know what? I just need to make sure that I understand that where this person's life is headed is not where I think my life needs to head. I need to, might, might need to shift them a little bit farther out in the circle. This isn't a perfect diagram. It's not going to define every single relationship in your life. But I think what it will do is help us to understand that filtering can have many layers. One other thing I want to say about this filtering process is what do you do with the people that you may be not allowed to have as much influence? Do we just throw them to the curb? I don't think that's what God says at all. At all. I, I think one thing that we see in the Bible is that we should become influencers. Not the influencee, but the influencer. That we can take someone and we can realize, man, I, may, I see that they're maybe not on a great path. What if I could become the person that influences them? And so there's a lot can be done about that. And I think that's one thing that I love about our church family. That every one of us realizes that we're all broken. We've all got issues. But our goal is to be influencers to one another. To become God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents, right? And that's, what we, that's what our goal is. And so that second thing, we need each other. We need filter. Which kind of brings me to the last final concept. Uh, the, the final concept has to do with something a little bit deeper. Because here's the thing. Filtering, filtering becomes pretty subjective. Like how do I decide who has to stay and who has to go? Right? I mean, sometimes I'm feeling like you're a pretty good friend. And sometimes you're not. And I guess it really depends on which direction you want your life to go. This last one is a little bit out of left field. And, and here's what it is. We need foundation. We need foundation. As we rethink social, we need foundation. There's really a great section of the Bible. Um, it's in the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament. The book of Matthew is, a, is basically a biography of Jesus' life and some of his teachings. And when we get to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we find this big section of teaching where Jesus actually begins to share like a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And after he finishes all these different teaching points, he comes to the very end. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says this. He says, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose but the, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. See, as Jesus is teaching all these big concepts about life and love and relationships and interaction with people and, and morality and all these things, he gets to the very end. He said, listen, I'm saying a lot of things here. But you've got to understand, this isn't just words. Anyone who puts these words of mine into practice is like someone who's built their house on a strong foundation. Jesus' words are foundation. Jesus is a foundation, one that doesn't crumble. He says, he continues in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, they're like a foolish man who builds their house in the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We live at the beach, you know. Most of us don't live on the water, but most of us have made sandcastles. <laughs> you ever try to build a sandcastle, like, right by the water? It's just, forget about it. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Why? Because sand is not a great foundation. 
But we do understand that we can build something on something solid, stone, brick, concrete. When we can find a rock to establish as a foundation for a building, it lasts much longer. There are other things um, that are like sand, and they make a terrible foundation for our life. And Jesus says, look, if you want to start and build your life on what I'm saying, then you'll be like a wise person who's building their life on a rock. So when it comes to rethinking social, I think what we need to do is ask this question, what am I building my life on? You often hear people say this phrase. I hear it from athletes. I hear it from celebrities. I hear it from friends. I've said it. And you get talking about what, what matters to you in life, and you say something like this. The most important thing in life is family and friends. Can you get behind that? Is that a good, good phrase, good sentence? Yeah, I'm not going to bash it. It's a great sentence. The most important things in life are family and friends. Here's the problem. We need a foundation. We need a foundation that lasts. And we've been talking about how we need other people in our life, but the reality about people, <laughs> humans, is that we can't build our life on people. No matter how awesome they are, no matter how much we love them, it tends to be that we as people are more sand than we are rock. Am I right? I mean, even the strongest people in the world have their weaknesses and have their flaws and have sometimes they're unavailable. And, and, and what we do, though, is we try to build our life on these people. If my family's strong enough, it'll be good, and then a family falls apart, or there's a tragedy, and then the foundation gets damaged. What can we do that's better than that? What, what if the foundation of our relationships became that we have a foundation that will last? Like Jesus said, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. What if the best thing we could do for our relationships is listen to Jesus? Take that in. Think about it. It might say, oh, that's trite. That's a simple thing. Of course the preacher would say that. No, no. What if, what if, seriously, the, the foundation of our relationships is us going, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And as we rethink society today, let's rethink it from the ground up, from the foundation up. That God came to earth in human form. His name was Jesus when he did that. And he came to be the foundation, not just of a religion, not just of the church, but of each one of our lives. What if there was something deeper than friendship and coworkers and family? What if there was something that could last, something that could sustain us? What if we could find unity around something stronger than a common football team or a favorite TV show? See, re rethinking social is about understanding that the most important relationship we could ever have is a relationship with Jesus. My question for you today is, where is that for you? You might be in a place uh, that you're like, I just need to dig in more. I, I'm getting a lot. I had a friend visit recently, and, uh, and one of the feedbacks that they gave me was, yeah, there's was a lot of Jesus today. There's a lot of Jesus. And I get that. And especially if you, you have some baggage or hurt because of church or because of Christians or because of religion, you might be here today going, I don't know. I got an invite to come because it was a birthday. My friend brought me, whatever. I want to just ask you, what if? What if the relationship with Jesus could become the foundation that would transform every other relationship? Maybe you're in a position where you're like, I'm ready to make that a relationship in my life. I'm ready to give it all up. I'm ready to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I, I want to invite you to this today. I want you to say, today could be your day. Today could be the very day where you say, I'm all in with Jesus. Uh, when we do that, we look in the Bible, we see people confess that they have faith in Jesus and they want to move forward with that. Man, the first thing that people are instructed to do in the Bible is to get baptized. We could do that. We happen to live next to the world's largest baptistry. 
the ocean. We can head right over there. Maybe you've got a swimming pool, a bathtub. We can go and we can baptize you today as a, as a moment that says, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want his Holy Spirit to come move in my life. Maybe that's what you need to do. Start that relationship today. Maybe what you just need to do is just learn some more. I talked about Venture Basics class earlier, and I just want to encourage you to take a second to check that on the back of that green card. I want to know more. Check the card today. Whatever it is, the reality is that the world is a rough place. The storm is, is coming down. The waters are rising. The question is, what are we building our life on? We can't do it alone. We need each other. But as we seek each other, we've got to filter because I believe God's got a direction that can be transformed by how we filter. And then finally, he says, make me the foundation. That's rethinking social. This has been an introduction to what I think is going to be a, a really cool month. I'm just exploring relationships, and I hope that as you leave here today that you can be encouraged and say, you know what, I can have the relationships that I have, and I can have them be transformed by the God who loves us. Let's rethink social today. Come back next week uh, and, and find out more about what God says about marriage. If you've got other relationships that you've got questions about, by all means, make a note on your connection card, and it'll get to me, or just come talk to me after church. I'd love to just see what does the Bible have to say about that, and it may affect the direction of the rest of the teaching time for this month. That's rethinking social. Let me pray for you today. God, we love you, and uh, you know, as we just kind of gear into a new teaching idea today, Lord, what, I, what I pray is that you will be glorified, uh, that you, you'll transform us, and that through us that you can transform this city. Lord, that we can be bright, shining lights in dark places, and that we can um, be the people that brings hope to hopeless and peace to people who are restless. We love you. We thank you most of all for caring enough to have a relationship with us. Uh, easily you could have been up in, in your throne in heaven and said, I created it. I'm just going to let it run by itself till it runs down. <laughs> but instead you said, no, I want to interact with the people that I love. So thank you for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.